So uh, you guys, uh, sorry, you guys can take your seats. So I've had you up here for far too long. It's because you're so good looking. And uh, <laughs> so um, this message, I, I've, I've, I, I've, it's different for the one I preached, same spirit in the first service, but I'll read a large slabs of it, right? But pardon me for doing that. My wife said to me about 15 years ago when I read an incomplete sermon, she said, Dave, you're a genius. She says, the way you write is outstanding. And ever since she did that, I've bought like a thousand little black books, right? And, uh, and walked around them and preached everywhere in little black books, right? And, uh, and so this message is just, it's a fabulous message, but I want to get it right. And, uh, and part of me is I've got a melancholic nature where I, I do err towards perfectionism. And I want to get it right because it's got some incredible stuff that's in this message and I think you're going to enjoy it. But the first thing I want to say is that, is that uh, this is weird in that, in that I, God sometimes is more like Aldi than he is like Woolworths because he's good, but he's different. And, uh, and I, often think that with the, I often think that with the first miracle of Jesus. He had, he had a, billion, a couple of billion years, right? Like a billion, billion years to think, what shall I do? And, and one of the things on the, on the board was, you know, healing a thousand lepers at one time. In other words, get, get 10 deaf people, go to a leper colony, see them all healed and that. But he chose to make an alcoholic beverage. And that, that, is, that, is, that is just, just it's just like God. To break the rules of convention. It's just like God. To, to do a miracle that, that created controversy. For 2,000 years, Pentecostals have been trying to take alcohol, convert it back to non-alcoholic wine. And, uh, and no one quite knows what to do with the first. You know, symbolically, uh, wine is symbolic of joy. And the miracle is not a mercy miracle. It's a miracle that affected every part of society, both the rich and the poor. So we can see reasons for it. But God's different. And, uh, and when I was, uh, we've been in the United Kingdom for uh, 29 years. We came back two and a half years ago. And, um, and God said to me, right, you'll find this really weird. He said, when you get back to Australia, because we were originally brought up in Brisbane. He said, when you get back to Australia, you're going to meet someone from Married at First Sight. The television show. You, yes, most of you have seen it, right? It's, it's rubbish, but it's fun rubbish, right? It's just, the conversations never happened. They've been edited together to make it sound like a conversation, but they're weird conversations because it's complete editing, right? It breaks, let me think, integrity, right? But God said you're going to meet someone from Married at First Sight. And so I told a couple of people about it, right? Because sometimes when God speaks, sometimes it's clear, right? And so I thought I'll just tell a, people, a couple of people about it and they thought, you, you're dreaming, like from the castle, right? And, um, and uh, so we landed, we were, we were in, um, oh, what do you call it uh, when you're in lockdown for two weeks? Hell, yeah, that's it, that's it, that's it. Uh, in, a, in, a, in a hotel, that's it, in a hotel in Sydney. And then finally after 14 days, they let us out, right? Not a minute early, right? They let us out and we went to Manly to stay at the Novotel in Manly because my son, uh, he's 31 years of age, he's single and uh, he lives in Sydney. Hopefully one day he'll get married and lives in Sydney and he's uh, just got a scholarship the Conservatorium of Music and he put an ad up uh, to start the Australian Christian Orchestra. He's already got 40 people saying they want to be a part of it. So he's, 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 a, he's a young or not so young entrepreneur. So the first uh, day of freedom, we're walking along the, uh, the part of Manly that leaves, leads from the beach to where the ferries are and my wife says, hey, that's Dino from season five of Married at First Sight that just walked past us. And so I turned around, and he's way back there, and I said, Dino, 
Dino, no, I've never met him before, right? And I only recognized him from the TV show. So he comes back and, and, and I had nothing to say to him, right? So I said, do you mind if we have a selfie? And so he had a selfie and somehow he follows me on Instagram, which is quite weird. And uh, I follow him just for the amuse- amusement factor, right? It's mostly rubbish what he puts up, right? But um, so we said goodbye, right? There was no extra meaning to it. And we left. And I thought, God, that's the strangest thing that you should say that I should meet somebody from Married at First Sight. But it should be such a non-event, right? And this is, this is what God said to me. He said, yeah, but the steps of a good man, Dave, are ordered by God. And if I can arrange for you to bump into the most unimportant person in the world, Dean Wells, from season five, I've got you, Dave. If I can do that with insignificance, imagine what I can do with significance. My greatest power, if I've got a superpower, my greatest superpower is knowing I'm the right person in the right place at the right time. I don't need talent. This world's made a cult out of talent. You wake up thinking I'm not talented, not gifted, I'm too old, I'm too... No, 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 scrap that. This world's not built on talent. This world's built on positioning. Some of the greatest miracles of God. Imagine, imagine how much work God went into to cause me to bump into Dean Wells. That's a, that's a work of God. And for every one miracle cancer going within a second through healing, there's 10,000 miracles of positioning. Sometimes we ignore the Big Mac and fries of the Christian world in order to go for the Mexican burger that comes around every now and again. And some of you need to realize this is the Big Mac and fries of the Christian world. It's the right person, right place, and right time. That's, this church needs a, a revival of that spirit that you've been positioned by God. It's the spirit of Esther that you've been called to the kingdom for such a time as this. And that's when Esther, after that revelation, when the penny dropped, that's when she moved into magnificence. That's when, when she saved a nation from obliteration and she moved a nation back into revival. And it just came from a knowledge that there was no mistakes. She wasn't there by mistake. She was there by destiny. I, I remember when, when, and I'll come back to this at the end, when, when back in, in 1996, where the, maybe a quarter to a third of our church left overnight. Within a month, they left. You know, The church was five years of age and... And, uh, and I, I thought, what am I going to do? Everything's, everything's collapsing in on me. And, um, and even though I'm wearing a suit today, right, the, the, back then all pastors wore suits and wore ties. And I went down to the Maya Center in Sheffield, right, the equivalent of, and I bought myself, I, for the first time ever, I, I had borrowed ties up to then. I bought myself a really spiffy tie. And I preached like a man possessed by 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 the Holy Spirit that Sunday, to a depleted congregation, I preached like an utter millionaire preaching to thousands of people. Because I believe that even though, even if everybody left, I was still called. That God sent me 10,000 miles across oceans and across land masses to this small, insignificant Nazareth in England called Sheffield. But I preached like, like a billionaire called by God, called by the King of Kings and called by the Lord of Lords for such a time as this. And I want to say, put on your magnificence. You, you want to get your suit. You want to 
turn it up at the bottom. You want to put on some trainers. You want to, you want to look like, you want to take off the onesie. You want to take off the PJs, you know. Uh, in, in England, in, in, uh, in Liverpool, they've got day, daytime PJs that people walk to the fish and ship shop in their daytime pyjamas, right? And you want to take off the onesie. You want to put on your Armani. I'm talking figurative, right? But it's true. You want to dress for success because there's nothing better than being called by God for such a time as this. Knowing that you're the right person, the right place at the right time changes everything. If you were to travel back through time to Florence, Italy in 1446 and stare through the window of an art studio, you'd see a 14-year-old called Leonardo da Vinci on the first day of his apprenticeship. He had no idea that he was about to paint the greatest painting in the world, the Mona Lisa. Seen now by, this is 500 years later, by over 10 million people every single year. But he was positioned, right? He was on an apprenticeship. He didn't know what his future lay, but he was in the right place at the right time. If we flew back in time to Alabama in 1955 and looked through the window of a bus, you'd see a black woman called Rosa Parks refusing to give up a seat for a white passenger. Little did she know that that incident caused the beginning of the civil rights movement in America that in one respect, in another form, is still happening today. She was on the right bus at the right time. She was an ordinary person, but she was led by extraordinary circumstances. And you're an ordinary. Never, never get rid of ordinary. When God thought, how am I going to change the world? And he had billions of years. He decided to fill up some stone water jars. He didn't go for gold. He decided to rise, ride, ride into Jerusalem on a donkey, not a white stallion. God loves ordinary. Because it means the glory goes to him and not to you. And you'll always be ordinary. You'll always feel ordinary. You'll never feel extraordinary. It's God who's extraordinary but you need to feel like you're in the right person in the right place at the right time. If we travel, time travel, 30 years on from that point, across the Pacific Ocean and across the Golden Gate Bridge to the North San Francisco in 1986 and look through the office window, you'd see Steve Jobs recently sacked from the head of Apple, sitting opposite George Lucas, creative Star Wars, signing a deal to buy the computer graphics division of Lucasfilm for $10 million. Now, he renamed it Pixar, and nine years after the deal, he created Toy Story. We liked Toy Story, didn't we? Number one, the best, yeah? And then 11 years after that, Pixar was bought by Disney for $7.4 billion. And he bought it 20 years earlier for $10 million. Don't ever downsize the place that God's brought you to. If you're living in ordinary street, you feel like an ordinary person, you're a candidate for the extraordinariness of God. There's Steve Jobs in this room, there's Da Vinci's, there's Rose's, there's Wilberforce's, there's Mother Teresa's, there's Wesley's, there's Wigglesworth's, there's City Shapers, Nation Changers, there's Planet Shakers. Ta-da, in this room right now. And everything begins with faith. It doesn't begin with sight. 
And some of you need to break the machinations and break the, the complex that your parents gave you and break free of the, the spirit of control that other people have that, that love you the way you used to be. I remember when I went into the ministry for six years, my mum was sending me civil engineering jobs because I did civil engineering at Sydney University. She was sending me civil engineering jobs for six years because she loved the former me more than the future me. And some of you need to be set free from the spirit of control in order to come into the new thing that God has for your life. We're all sons of God, led by the Spirit of God, born for this generation, perfectly placed, perfectly timed, perfectly positioned. It's a setup. It's a stitch up. This is the most understated verse in the entire Bible, Ruth chapter 2, verse number 3. It says, as it turned out, Ruth found herself working in the field belonging to Boaz. Now, the Bible's poetic, right? And it's underplayed that. It should be completely high lit, but it's not. It's low lit in the Bible. Just as, as it turned out, his Ruth, what happened to Ruth? Her husband died. What happened? She was in abject poverty. What happened? She was a beggar. She was someone who just needed to, to go after the gleaners of the field, the harvesters, and pick up the loose grain. What, what was she doing? Well, out of her poverty, she was, she was in some guy's field. But she ended up in the field of Boaz. Now have a think about it. She married, Boaz is a billionaire. She's, she's, she's in poverty, but she's in the field of a billionaire that she marries. She marries him. And then she has some kids who have some kids. And then David is the great grandchild of Ruth and Boaz. And then Jesus Christ, 2,000 years later, a thousand years later after David, is of the line of David. That is of the line of Boaz, the billionaire, Ruth, poor girl, but led by the Spirit of God. Your Your poverty right now could be a gift to you because your greatest gift is to be lined up to the will of God. That's gold. That's worth more than all the riches and all of the earth. The last thing you want to do is be a multi-billionaire, but be off track from the will and from the purposes of God. It didn't just so happen. She had the right disability. She had the right disadvantage. She had the right disqualification. Am I preaching brilliantly or is it just excellent? Let me continue. I'm the right person in the right place at the right time with the right disadvantages, with the right disability, with the right disqualification. My disqualification qualifies me. My disadvantage positions me. My disability gets me in the right place at the right time. But you've been brought up in a generation that complains so much about disability coming from a poor family that you forget that your greatest asset is right person, right place, right time. Let's get back to the calling of God. The greatest gift that you have is not your talent base or your wealth. It's been called by God for such a time as this. That's why take off the onesie, take off the PJs, take off the singlet, put on the Pierre Cardin. 
put on the East Saint Laurent. 2005, Steve Jobs gave an open-air address at Stanford University students. He said, your time's limited, so don't waste it living someone else's life. Don't be trapped by the dogma, which is living with the results of other people's thinking. Don't let the noise of other people's opinions drown out your own inner voice. He's talking like a man saved. And most importantly, have the courage to follow your heart and intuition. They somehow already know who you truly want to become. Everything else is secondary. Now, since the 1500s, so let's call it 1500, which is the 16th century, which always confuses me, right? From the 16th century until now, which is like 500 years, we've all had approximately 2,097,150 ancestors. Each is avoided, some narrowly, early death by plague, by war, by famine, and by accident. God kept them alive because he had a destiny set apart for you. The chances of them dying early by plague is high. The chances of them falling off a ladder in the history of your family are high. The chances of them falling off a roof are high. Falling through a roof, very high. Dying of a fever, high. But God kept them all alive because there's unfulfilled prophecy over your life. The reason why you've not been part of a plane that's gone down and crashed and died is because there's unfulfilled prophecy over your life. While God has unfulfilled prophecy, the plane will stay in the air. Because this is the way God works. There's a really successful guy in England, right? He's called the ping pong guy because he's really good at ping pong, which, which is a surprising for someone in, in Great Britain, right? And he won Commonwealth gold three times, right? And his, his real name's Matthew Syed, right? And, uh, and he thought that uh, he's fairly famous as the ping pong guy. No one really knows his name, right? He's in a podcast with Freddie Flintoff and people like that, right? And, uh, and he thought, I'm going to write a book about my success. And so this is the way the book was going to go. He's going to say, hey, no silver spoon. No advantage whatsoever. Just through sheer guts. Through sheer guts. Through sheer guts. And through talent. I'm really talented, right? No silver spoon. No nepotism. No, no famous uncle. Just simply through sheer guts, I, I became the uh, triple table tennis champion at the Commonwealth Games, right? And then he realized it was all a lie. And, he, and when he wrote out his story, he realized that he was a custodian of five unusual events. This is what they were. Number one, when he was eight, his parents bought a full-size tournament table tennis table. Who does that? Did your parents buy you a full-size tournament table tennis table? Uh, number two, his parents in England, had a house whose garage could fit a full-size tournament table tennis table. Well, there's only three garages in England that can fit a full-size tournament table tennis table. My wife had the smallest of Punto, I think, a Fiat Punto, the smallest of cars. She was looking forward to our new garage and our new house, and so she bought the Zappa thing, right? Cost us like $600 to get the Zappa thing. The door went up, and she, she, it took her ages to, to get into the garage, right? She couldn't even open the door. So it was the first and last time she parked in the garage because it's, it's, it, garages are not built 
for puntos or for full-size tournament table tennis tables. Number three had an older brother who wasn't too much older who spent the time dueling, battling, and experimenting around the game. Number four, the sports teacher at his local primary school, Mr. Charters, was the nation's top coach in table tennis. Number five, there was a table tennis club that was open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, just down the road from where he lived. Now, follow me through on this, right? They lived at 119 Silverdale Road. Matt's brother went on to win three national junior titles. At 274 Silverdale Road, Karen Witt won the Commonwealth Gold. 149, Andy Wellman was a hugely successful doubles player. At the bottom of Silverdale Road, Paul Trott was the leading junior. Around the corner, Jimmy Stokes was English junior champion. Alison Gordon was four times English senior champion. Sue Colley was English school champion. More stars came from Silverdale Road and around the corner than from any other street in all of Great Britain. It wasn't talent. It was positioning. If Usain Bolt had been born in West Africa, we would not know the name Usain Bolt. Because he was born in Jamaica with a history of running superstars. It was geography that created Usain Bolt. But geography created mentality. Mentality created all the rest. And it's the same with each one. I don't need a quiet time to be a genius for God. I wake up a genius. The just to live by faith, not strictly by devotional life, but the live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I wake up a genius. I wake up the right man, right place. I don't become the right person after I have a quiet time. I have a quiet time because I'm the right person. It's for a top up of confidence. It's for the melting of doubt. But every day, I'm driven by a sense of being called by God for such a time as this. This is what Ecclesiastes, this is scripture, right? Just because I'll have to pull it in in a second. Ecclesiastes 9 verse 11, the race isn't to the swift. Come on. Because you compare this church to other people's churches that on Instagram that look like they're Zooming. But it's only because they took a picture from the bottom left-hand corner where everything looks four times the size. The battle's not to the strong. The problem we have with Samson is if you go on Google, Samson's got muscles. Why would Samson have muscles when it was all done by the power of God? Samson probably looked like a computer geek with a bit of acne on his face. But they made him out to be just like Thor, you know, like, like, like an Australian movie star full of muscles. It's wrong, 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 because the race isn't to the strong. It says... Nor does food come to the wise, because you think you're dumb. Nor does wealth come to the brilliant, because you think, wow, I've got a medium IQ. Or favor to the learned. You think, well, I haven't got a double degree. No, 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 this, this, this makes you qualified. Being unqualified makes you qualified. It says, but time and chance happens to them all. So time and chance. So so every one of you right now are in your own Silverdale Road. There's something in that road. 
there's something, there's something, you gotta stop wishing that you're in Wall Street. Stop wishing that you're in, in, in Goldale Road. Stop wishing that, 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 that you were in another street. You're on your Silver Dow Road. This is your Silver Dow Road. Time and chance, opportunities. There's doors of opportunity in the midst of your Silver it's here right now. What a church. What a church. Sometimes we look, we look at other major people in other churches thinking, I wish I had them. But in this church, oh, every person I've met a future superstar. It's just all I need to do is meet with. I've been called by God for such a time as this. Here's the expression that I've coined. It's you are a custodian of an unusual set of divine circumstances say it again right you are a custodian of an unusual set of divine circumstances now let me find a place let me find a place oh, gee. this is what Steve Jobs said when he got sacked he said the heaviness of being successful was replaced by the lightness of being a beginner again it freed me to enter into the most creative period of my life he went on to create the greatest animation studio of all time. Created Toy Story, one, two, three, four. Bugs Life, Monsters, Inc., Finding Nemo. Up. Love that. I'll finish on one story. Got some resources. This is my wife's book called Prophet Science, 84 Fire Starters to a Devotional Life. You'll find this faith-filled and completely amazing. Here's my book, The Truth Diet. What you're wrestling against isn't flesh and blood or people or people's opinions. It's powers and principalities. This is 181 nuggets of wisdom to de-stress you in the midst of spiritual warfare. Here's my book, The Hit Factory. This, the catchphrase is, the next you is the next big thing. Everything starts with you. Here's my map and my tourist book called The Mind Map, and I've drawn a map of the Christian's mind, an actual map of your mind, with the fallen mind, the new mind, the natural mind. But the catchphrase is, the skyline of your mind will determine the skyline of your future. Everything starts with revelation, then it moves into your thought life. Sacred Cows Make Great Barbecues, and my wife's book, She Is, which is a coffee table book that's available. With all of these, it's grab and go. It's take now, pay later, 24 hours to transfer money into the account that's listed on every book that's available. I've got a whole pack of 10 books, are complete works available as well. Okay, eyes back on me. There's, there's a town in Enterprise in Alabama, right, in America. And when you drive into it, right, there's not a statue to a person, there's a statue to a weevil. So you drive in, you think, what is that? Who is this great man of God in this great city? It's a weevil. Someone's carved out a weevil out of stone, right? And you might think, what's a weevil doing? Well, what happened, right? It was around 1910 that a plague of weevils, boll weevils, came and decimated the cotton plantation of, of, that, of that town, right? And all that surrounding region. And so someone on the town council, and can I just say this about your town council, right? If there's a council here, what a great council. What a clean city this is. 
What an incredible, all it needs is some, is some e-scooters. That's all it needs. I'm just saying that if you are on, in the council, just need some e-scooters. Makes it more fun. Makes more people want to come here. It's a bit more touristy, right? But as is, it's very clean, very sharp city. Anyway, so they thought, what are we going to do? And someone said, hey, let's change, let's change what we grow. So they decided to grow peanuts. And they changed from cotton to peanuts. Went them from being quite prosperous to incredibly prosperous. So now the place was 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 making multi-millionaires. Thought, what are we going to do? Who is the guy who suggested us changing crops? They thought we don't know who it was because it was in it was in a group discussion. And then someone said, we've got to put a statue up. What should we do? We'll put a statue to a weevil. And down the bottom it says it says in appreciation of the weevil that brought about great prosperity in our land. And that's what you need to do with your bad dad. That's what you need to do with the, with the sacking. When you got sacked, you want to build a monument to it. That's what you need to do it with that disorder. That's what you need to do with that illness. You want to build a statue out of it because, because of that. It's caused you to come out of lostness and come into foulness, to come out of waywardness and come into a revelation of Christ. You wouldn't be saved if you had a great dad. The brokenness of your past is replaced by skyscrapers of revelation. If you're a city, you you wouldn't be London, you'd be Los Angeles because London has no fault lines. God builds His greatest skyscrapers on the greatest fault lines of your history. When you're weak, He's strong. His, His power is made perfect in your weakness. Some of you need to start whinging, start celebrating. Build a statue to the failures, a statue to the pain, a statue to the disorders, a statue to the brokenness, and realize and realize it's because of that that you're gleaning from the field of Boaz. God's stitched it all together. If I can, if I can bump into Dean Wells, an irrelevant television personality, then surely the steps of good men and women in this room are ordered. It's not the river dance of a good man, it's the step of a good man. The step of a man of faith, a woman of faith. Come on, stand up right now. Lift your hands to heaven right now. Lift your hands to heaven right now. Father God, we cast down all doubt. We cast down every imagination that would exalt itself against the knowledge of God. Father, right now, Lord God, right now, Jesus. Father God, let our imaginings be set free. Right now, Lord God, let a confidence be set free. And in a confidence that you are who God says you are, you're becoming who God says you're becoming. And Father God, we thank you for setting us free from control. We thank you, God, for taking us back onto the pathway of destiny. And we declare incredible success for this church. We thank you, God, that it's been swayed in the past. It's been pulled in the past to be what it's not. But we thank you, Lord God, that through the past, Father God, that now it's the right church in the right place in history at the right time with the right people gathered together. We want to thank you, Jesus, for the Pixar that you're about to develop. We want to thank you, Lord God, for the prosperity that you're about to create. We thank you that all things are working for good to those who love God, who are called according to His purposes. Father, we praise you. You've got 10 seconds now to thank God that He's called you out of darkness 
for such a time as this into his marvelous light that he called you he called, he's not just accepted you but he's called you out of darkness into the light of the brilliance of heaven you're a genius for god not because of you but because of him positioning you in the right place at the right time in history father god let the old feel like they're the perfect age let the weird feel like they're the perfect personality type father god let the rejected feel like they're perfectly positioned by you lastly there's some people here that need to turn back to god and you probably have in the service but i'm going to get you to pray a prayer or maybe you've never prayed a prayer of connection to heaven and this is your opportunity to do it everybody say this after me dear lord jesus i'm amazed that you found me on Silverdale Road. I say yes to you. Yes to you. Forgive me of my sins, my doubts, my waywardness. Come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my coach. Be my captain. Be my future. In Jesus' name. If you're a backslider and you prayed that, or if you've never prayed that kind of prayer before, I'm going to get you when I count to three with every eye closed in the room except a couple of counselors. I'm going to get you to lift up your right hand in the air. You think, well, why would I do that? It's because everybody needs to draw a line in the sand. Everybody needs to divide their history up with their future. And if you sincerely prayed that prayer, it was the shortest of prayers, but there was a sincerity within you. And you felt that that prayer really meant something to you. Then when every eye's closed, I'm going to count to three. And I want you to lift up your right hand and leave it up till all the hands are up. Let's let's do it right now. Three, two, one, lift it, lift it. Yep, 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 lift it, lift it, lift it. Yep, 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 yeah. My left hand side, there's a fabulous hand. My left hand side, there's a second hand that's gone up. That's brilliant. In the middle section, there's a there's a beautiful woman. A third hand has gone up. In my right hand side, at the very right, there's a fabulous young adult. There's a, a, a fourth hand that's gone up this morning. Father, there's probably another hand somewhere, but come on, let's all pray. Father, let the peace of God that passes all understanding rest upon each of these people. We thank you, Lord God, that you saw their movements. They were never far from you. And Father, fill them with peace and fill them with joy. Filled with the knowledge, God, that their sins are forgiven, that there is no more guilt for those who are found sinless in the sight of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for their future. We thank you for faith, guiding them every step of the way. In Jesus' mighty name, put your hands down. Let's give God a clap offering and praise. It's been great to talk to you today. I can't wait to see you on Tuesday night.